Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we are talking about financial literacy, and we're directing it more toward women in all stages of their life. So joining me today is Sharon Lecter. She is a global financial literacy expert and author. Thank you for joining the show, Sharon. I am delighted to be with you, Heather. Thank you so much. I do want to start off with, it's a subject that we don't talk about enough. And that is women who may be suffering through financial abuse, which can then lead to physical abuse and usually does. What people don't recognize is it's typically sort of that first step toward more severe forms of abuse. But how and why do you think women get themselves into a situation where they're open to being financially abused? Well, I think financial abuse comes from all different arenas. But when you're talking about coupling it with domestic abuse and domestic violence, what happens is the relationship starts off like any normal relationship. And then there's a certain amount of control and power that starts getting exerted. And typically the abuser is trying to isolate you, um, trying to control what you're doing. And then the, the woman starts feeling like it's her fault. She's like, she's doing something wrong and that you feel powerless to do anything about it. And that financial abuse is part of that control feature. You lose access to money. You lose the ability to do things on your own. Many times you end up losing your job because you're required to stop working. Many times you end up having sick days, particularly when domestic violence gets involved. And so the, the stats are really terrorizing. I mean, the CDC said domestic abuse is the number one public health issue. Pretty scary. And one in four women will experience domestic abuse. And 99% of domestic abuse also involves financial abuse, which is why it's so important for us to be talking about it. Because when women feel powerless, they feel alone and they're kept alone because they're cut off from outside resources. And it's something that just continues to be a problem. And it gets further and further until someone steps in or until you realize that you have to get out of the situation. So before someone gets married or enters into any type of relationship where you're cohabitating, whether it's, you know, a man and a woman or two women, two men, most of the time, most of us have our own separate accounts, whether it's a checking or a savings account. And what I have learned is that the person who wants to control the situation, once you're living together, say, okay, hey, we're together. Let's combine our incomes into one account that's under that person's name. And not that you can't have that, but I would always advise you still need to keep a separate account for yourself. It is so true, Heather. And and it's not just in um, domestic violence issues. Even women who've been married for 25 years, 30 years, they end up having their spouse die or they get divorced. They realize they have no credit in their own name. And so they have a really hard time reestablishing their quality of life. The standard of living drops significantly because they have no credit. And that's something that every woman, we stress this in, in all that I do when I talk to women is have your own credit, have your own financial wherewithal. We don't have everything in joint names because you have credit cards and your spouse dies and they're in, in the spouse's name. 
the credit card stops because you're not the primary card holder. So have cards in your own name, have established that credit in your own name so that you can stand on your own two feet financially. Aside from potentially someone saying, hey, let's put everything just in my name. What are maybe some other red flags that women should be aware of that they could be exposed to financial abuse? Because actually, right when we started, you said it's not always about being in a relationship. So what are other forms of financial abuse that aren't domestically related? Well, part of it is understanding that if you put your head in the sand about money, you become very susceptible to financial abuse because you're trusting somebody talks to you about doing something and you haven't educated yourself. You tend to make unwise decisions. You might be a compulsive shopper. Things can, you know, you can be shopping to soothe a depression. And so it's really important to educate yourself about money. And the problem is we don't teach kids about money in school. And so you learn the hard way. And that's what I've dedicated my career to is helping people take control of their financial lives and learn to stand on their own two feet. Whether you are in a relationship or not, educate yourself about money, because if you don't understand money, you are opening yourself up to financial abuse. If I may ask, is that why you are so passionate about this subject? Did you go through any of that earlier on in your life? Well, thank you for that question, Heather. But I will tell you, I was very fortunate. I grew up in a house where my dad would talk about assets and cash flow. He was very entrepreneurial. And I didn't realize until I started my public accounting career that very few people understood the basis of money. We're taught to exchange time for money, um, to be an employee. That's what we're taught. We're not taught. It's not what you do for your paycheck. It's what you do with your paycheck that determines your financial future. And it's really important to learn how to buy, build, and create income-producing assets. And we're not taught that. And so my, my beacon of understanding that I was given a gift that most people didn't have is my, my mission is to share that with people, provide that education, and continue to carry the, the, the banner to get financial education into the school system. Because we talk about leveling the playing field for our kids. Well, we can do that through financial education so that every child has the same opportunity to succeed. And I love that. It's not what you do for your paycheck. It's how you use the paycheck. It's not what you do for your paycheck. It is what you do with your paycheck that determines your financial future. Yeah, I love that. I haven't heard it explained exactly like that, but I think everybody can understand that one. Oh, absolutely. And we, you know, we talk about debt. Well, there's bad debt and there's good debt. And we're in a society where it's so easy to say, just charge it, right? And to get, and get ourselves into bad debt. And you realize you dug yourself a hole. The first thing is to stop digging, stop having bad debt, but identify your debt as by category. Is it bad debt or is it good debt? Good debt helps you accelerate your wealth. And like a mortgage on a rental property where your tenant's paying you $2,000 a month in rent, it costs you $1,000 for the mortgage and other expenses. And so you have a net positive cash flow of $1,000. That mortgage on that property is good debt. I'm breaking a little bit early, but I want to break now because when we come back, I want to go into some of the stages of life that we go through and 
what are some of the things we need to be aware of as we get older. So we'll be right back with Sharon Lecter. She is an advocate for financial literacy, but also a global financial literacy expert. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that affects your life in any way, money-wise. We're talking about it. Today, we are talking about financial literacy, and we're concentrating on women and their financial literacy. So joining me is Sharon Lecter. She is a global financial literacy expert, and you're also a CPA. So tell me a little bit more. We talked before the show started, and you were mentioning there are these different stages in a woman's life and the different lessons we need to know as we age. So what can you tell me about that? We wanted to highlight in this new book the, the fact that we do have different financial issues as we age. And, and the reason we wanted to do a book for women is because there are certain things that we face that may not be faced by men or we are the primary caretaker. So the, for instance, one of the issues we talk about is college debt and how to get to get yourself the best position there. And that's something that affects both men and women, but women tend to have more college debt longer because we use money to pay for kids or parents. And so we end up strapped at the, over the age of 50, women still have college debt. So we want to address that and then starting a business, understanding how to do that, how to structure it, how to protect yourself. And then we talk about a woman that has a special needs child. These are things that you don't prepare for. And then all of a sudden you have it. What are the resources available to support you? And then the big issue now for a lot of baby boomers is being a sandwich generation. You have adult children move back in with you and you're taking care of your parents. How do you straddle that? How do you make the wise financial decisions to support yourself and not put yourself last. Women tend to take care of everybody else and sacrifice ourselves. And then there's understanding how to get out of a domestic abuse situation and what you can do to repair your financial situation. Talk about a woman that's maybe been married for a long time and ends up suddenly divorced and she had this whole plan for her life that is totally upended and how to take control of yourself and be able to prepare for a better future. Or same thing is if you lose a spouse through death, what are the things that you need to do? Because what happens is women that are high, high emotion means low intelligence. And so you, you end up getting divorced or you lose a spouse, you're very emotional. And that's when you make yourself open to the most financial abuse. And so it's really important to have someone there to support you, to guide you, and to make the steps with your brain, not your heart, that you need to to protect yourself. And then we talk about as you age, understanding long-term care, understanding Social Security, all of these issues are emotionally charged. Yeah. And so we want to provide opportunities for you to see how better to deal with it so that it's a pathway. It's like an instruction book to try and manage the emotion and make wise decisions. I want to go back really quickly, and this could be something that takes us down a rabbit hole that we're not ready to go to right now. But right at the beginning, you said for college debt, it takes women a lot longer to pay it off. And one of the things I thought of is if you come out of college with forty, fifty thousand dollars in debt, same as a man, the exact same degree, it doesn't help that women on average are only making 80 cents per each dollar a man gets. So that is just going to take extra time to pay off that if you're not even making the same amount of money. 
And that is no rabbit hole because it's absolutely a huge issue. Women hold almost two thirds of all outstanding student loans. And the women ages 55 to 64 are still paying back student loans, almost 50% of them. And why is that? Because they've chosen to use their money to take care of kids, to take care of spouses, to take care of parents. And, you know, a year after graduation, women own 10%, owe 10% more than men. And that's something that is, you know, the average for student loans for women is $31,276. So it's like having a mortgage on without a house. You have a mortgage on your future, but no house. And so it's really important to make those wise decisions up front as to do you, you know, what can you do to reduce your student loans and then to face it and get rid of it so that you're not saddled with it. When you're 50, 60, looking at trying to prepare for retirement and you still have all this debt. So do we say like, don't have kids till the student loan is you know paid off or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, part of it is, you know, there's, there, we, this is where we can get into a rabbit hole because I'm very passionate about this is making sure that you know what career you want and you're not taking on $100,000 of student debt to get a job that's only paying you $25,000 a year, $30,000 a year. So be wise about the choices that you make. Maybe start at a community college so that you aren't paying as much, you don't need as many loans. So you make those decisions. What happens is we're young, maybe a little foolish, you know, easy money, and then all of a sudden, it's, it's a huge amount of debt that's hanging over your head. And a lot of kids today are thinking, because they keep hearing in the news, student loan forgiveness. Oh, I'm going to borrow as much as I can because I'm going to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Not so true. So it's Yeah, really at the Supreme Court we have right now, that's not going to ever actually be approved. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but also... Our society is not helpful because we talk about, you know, colleges, go to college, go to college. I never hear a counselor say, maybe you should pick up a trade because most people can get trained in a trade in nine months to a year versus four years in college or even two years if you go to a community college. And a lot of those trades pay a lot more than somebody with a four-year degree. And we're starting to see more and more kids look at those as options, which is, you know, good for our society. We probably need, you know, we need to have more tradesmen, but it's also when you, when you think about getting into debt, a lot of kids could qualify for scholarships and grants that don't have to be repaid and they don't take the time to do it. So make sure you bring in your college counselor, your high school counselors to make sure you take advantage of every opportunity to be supported through a grant or a scholarship. So that reduces the amount of college debt you need. Yeah. And look around for different colleges as well. I totally lucked out. I went to, it was a four-year college, but they're one of the smallest colleges that were in the state I was going to, and they, they wanted to attract students. And luckily I had really good grades, but I wound up with a full scholarship for the four years because they're like, you know, what do you want to go into? And at the time I was going into aviation and I was the only woman in the aviation. And let me tell you, they wanted women in their aviation program. So they looked like they were a little bit more diverse they gave me my entire tuition. That and is a very smart process. And it is, you know, so true in today. I mean, there are many colleges are looking for more women to go into their STEM programs. So it's really, you know, pay attention 
to what you want to do, but also pay attention to what those universities, their expertise is, what they're looking for. Get involved with your local Rotary clubs. Some of them will provide scholarships. I mean, it's something that you just, you need to do your homework. And hopefully your high school guidance counselors, your college counselors can help you look to see what's available. Okay, we're going to take one more break. When we come back, we're going to go into what are some of these steps that we need to take, especially if we do find ourselves in debt. Maybe we just didn't think about it, and now all of a sudden the realization is, I'm in trouble. So we'll be right back with Sharon Lecter. She is a global financial literacy expert and author. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about financial literacy, especially for women. Joining me is Sharon Lecter. She is an advocate for financial literacy and the author of Think and Grow Rich for Women. So, Sharon, as we were coming out of that last segment, we were talking about, you know, look at different alternatives for schools. Uh, You know, you don't have to go to the four-year degree in Harvard, which is just going to cost you an arm and a leg. But what if I already did? Not only do I have that debt, I have a mortgage. I'm running up my credit cards and now I find myself in a bad relationship or the spouse has died or we're divorced. And I, now what do I do? How do I start getting back my financial life? Well, part of us, part of the issue is when people find themselves in that position, they're embarrassed, they feel like they've failed, and they hide. And they put, you know, they, they kind of turn off the lights and get under the covers and pout, and that's not going to help you. And so it's really important to understand you're not alone. There's a lot of us out there want to support you and help you get back on your feet. Realizing that you're in a situation is probably the first step. And then taking the time to figure out how bad the situation is is kind of important because even when people know they're struggling, most of them don't even know where they are financially. So take the time to analyze your finances. People are there to help you. And even if the picture is bleak, you're going to actually feel better because you, you know, it's the not knowing that's scary. So even if it's bleak and you know, then you can start taking the plan. For instance, a map doesn't do you any good if you don't know where you are and where you want to go. And so let's figure out where you are and then start a a methodical step to stop charging, stop getting in more debt, but start looking at how you can get rid of your bad debt first. And a lot of times it's just arranging all your debt, identifying, you know, who, who you owe money to, how much, what's the interest rate, and then is it good debt or bad debt? Let's start focusing on the bad debt. And a lot of pundits out there will tell you to attack the bad debt that has the highest interest. I actually advise, particularly women, to attack the smallest balance first. Mm-hmm. Let's get rid of that small, that smallest balance because then you're going to feel accomplished. You're going to feel excited that you got rid of one, and that's going to give you the motivation to then look at that highest interest rate and figure out how you can start attacking it and get rid of that bad debt. And you can do it through you know, different methods. We talk about it in my new book called How Money Works for Women, because I want people to see the different ways they can do. One may sound impossible to you. Another one may sound, I can do it that way. And so just having a constructive process, but also don't do it alone. Find other people that, that are in the same boat and you guys work together 
then think about how not just how to reduce your expenses and your debt, but how can you make a little extra money, start something on the side and use that extra money to pay down the debt. If you get a bonus, pay down, use it to pay down the debt. If you get a pay raise, don't spend more money. Right. Use that pay raise. Again, it's not what you do for your paycheck. It's what you do with your paycheck. Assign that pay raise to pay down the debts. And you're going to feel much more confident in yourself. Financial education is the gift of a lifetime. Because once you understand how to manage your finances, you'll never look back. You said there people are out there to help you. Well, don't know anything. What people? Who am I supposed to go to and where do I find them? Well, there are personal financial planners that can support you. There are ones that want people that have a lot of money, but there are organizations like Wealthwave that uh, are there to support you no matter where you are financially to help you find out where you want to go. There are resources. There are books and programs um, you can visit my website, SharonLector.com. I'm there to support you. We have a lot of free materials as well as programs that you can enlist in. But that's really why we sat down and wrote How Money Works for Women, Kim Schooler and I, because we wanted to make sure there was a resource that wasn't intimidating. In fact, I had a young gal write me yesterday. She says, it's so easy to read. I can't believe it. And I think, thank you. That's what I wanted. Something that was fun to read and informative and can give you real life advice on how to handle your finances. Yeah, I was in debt. It wasn't a huge amount, but I did have some debt about 15 years ago. And even before I became desperate about, oh my God, like it's getting really bad now. I was looking for help. I would turn on the TV to Fox Financial, whatever it was. And I would just see all these pundits talking and none of them ever spoke to me and I was feeling discouraged, but I kept trying. And that's one thing I want to tell the listeners is just because the first person or the second or third or fourth, and in my case, the fifth person I listened to and tried to read books doesn't speak to you. I know it's a little bit frustrating and it gets worrisome, but there is somebody out there who will speak to you. And I found that person and became debt-free within two years. Yay! So, and I did it the way you mentioned. I tackled the smallest debt first. Didn't Be it feel good? Oh my gosh. And so that I was so elate. Like when I was like, oh, I'm never going to see that bill again. And then that money that I had been paying toward that smallest debt, I then moved to the next smallest debt and added that. And so it just, it quickly disappeared. But seriously, you have to find the person that speaks to you. And I, I'm hoping that people will find your books and especially women. Tell us the title of your newest book again. Is How Money Works for Women, Take Control or Lose It. And it is four color. It's got, we talk about, we have a character, an avatar for each decade of life from 19 to 86 and about the different things they face at every stage of life. And I love that you said it is simplified. That doesn't mean dumbed down. It just means you're not going to hear the financial speak which I think is one of the biggest turnoffs for people that especially are looking to get educated and the people that are talking to them are already on an MBA or PhD level. And you're like, you know, talk to me like I'm five, you know, and they don't. Yeah. Part of the, you know, the, the financial vernacular 
is very intimidating. Mm -hmm. And compounding interest law of 72, we take those particular terms and just make them more understandable so that you see the impact and what that means and how that it can be employed in your life every single day. My favorite word on earth is assets, Heather. And, you know, I talk about assets are sexy. And the older you get, the sexier they become because you're financially free when the income from your assets exceed your monthly expenses. That means you don't have to go to work anymore because your assets are your employees. Doesn't mean you don't choose to work, but that, you know, that is the true wealth. Every wealthy individual in the world is wealthy because they have income producing assets. And so the sooner you start buying, building, creating income producing assets, it could be real estate, it could be paper assets, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, it could be businesses. All of us have been through things that stopped us in their tracks. But you're still here for a reason. And whatever you went through, you can share through a book, a program, through coaching, and help other people going through it. So stand tall in your own power because you're uniquely you and you have a gift that can help other people. Thank you so much, Sharon Lecter. Again, you are an advocate for financial literacy. You're an author and a global financial literacy expert. And I'm so glad you were able to just help break down a few of these things. And if people need more information, definitely go to your website, SharonLecter.com and pick up any one of your 27 books. Thank you so much, Heather, and thank you for doing this show. And I would be love to hear from anybody. My my mission in this life is to help people find the tools they need to take control of their financial life. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media. Money Making Sense on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.